0: And we're wrapping up our series of childlike faith. And over this series, we've taken five questions that our kids that, that are here in this church asked us as to what these answers might be. And we've looked at various ones. And today we're going to look at another one that kind of, it's, they're not easy. They're, these kids ask some pretty deep theological questions. And, and sometimes those questions still remain with us even until our adult age, and we still don't have answers for them. But one day we will. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be going through quite a bit of Scripture again today, and so I want to challenge you to bring those and just to dig through, turn through. If you have them on your phone, that's fine too. Sometimes it's faster on the phone than it is through the pages, but um, we're going to use some Scripture to answer some of the questions that that we have received today. Back in 1974, um, Mac Davis wrote a song in which he sang, "Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble.'" When You're perfect in every way, right And, and, and people laugh about that song, and, and, and guys always sing that song because you know the impression is, I'm perfect, right? Maybe a little egotistical or narcissistic, but maybe not quite perfect. But wouldn't we all like to be perfect? I mean, what does it take to get there? And, and do people actually think that they are perfect? I mean that's, that's where we, we have this problem. Most people, however, I think, would like to be perfect. They'd like to do always what is right and to do good. But what happens when good is not good enough? You don't win the prize. You don't get the trophy. You go home sad, right? Well, maybe we ask ourselves, what does it take to become that perfect whatever it is Maybe you, your your goal is to be like Nadia Comaneci, to receive the perfect 10 or, or Simone Biles and, and to, to classify yourself in this, this physical ability to do something great and outstanding. Maybe that's not you and you just want to be like Mr. Perfect and, and uh, all the good that comes from that, right? Ladies are always looking for Mr. Right. They never look for Mr. Wrong, but a lot of times they end up with him. Talk with my wife later. All right. Well... One of the questions that came to us from our children here at church was this. God could have just made us perfect, so why didn't he? I've got a quick, simple answer, and you can be dismissed and head home. It's this. He did. We blew it. <laughs> he did make us perfect, but sin enters in because of our choices. Jesus tells us this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. He reiterates this statement of being perfect. He says, there, you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I think, wow, that's kind of heavy. But it's not just Jesus. It's throughout the Scripture. We see in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are called to be perfect. We're called to be holy. We're called to be righteous, to be good, to be mature, not like anything. So, but can we ever really achieve that in life? Some people think they can Most of us realize they can't. So that's where we come today. Max Lucado, in his book, Traveling Light, he has written this statement. He says, all of us occasionally do what is right. A few predominantly do what is right, but do any of us always do what is right? According to Paul, he says, we don't. Because Paul writes in Romans 3.10 that... There is none righteous, no, not one. And some beg to differ, he says. I'm not perfect, Max, but I'm better than most folks. I've led a good life. I don't break rules. I don't break hearts. I like people. I, I, I help people. Compared to others, I think I could say I'm a righteous person. I'd used to try that on my mother, Max says. And she'd tell me that my room wasn't clean. And so I would then ask her to go with me to my brother's room, He was always messier than me, Max makes the statement. And he would say, see, my room is clean compared to his. Just look at his. And then he said that never worked because she would then take me and walk me down to her bedroom. (laughs) So he said, now, you see, she'd walk me to her bedroom, and when it came to tidy rooms, mom was righteous. Her closet was just right. Her bed was just right. Her, her, her bathroom was just right. Mom was, was righteous in all this. And compared to hers, mine was just wrong. So she would show me her room and I would say, this is what I mean by clean. And then Max says, God does the same thing. He points to himself and says, this is what I mean by righteous, and we fail. We just can't compare. It seems like it's useless. There's no way that we're going to be able to achieve Godhead. We just can't do it. And since we've made a mess of life, and none of us are perfect, well, where does that leave us? Well, a few things I want to talk about today. There's three, three main areas. The first one is this. God still wants us to be perfect. You're not let off the hook. You still have got to be perfect. And since God is holy and righteous and perfect, only that which is holy and righteous and perfect may enter into his presence. That leaves me out. What about you? Do you remember when Moses first encountered God? there on that mountain in Midian. He was there taking care of his father-in-law's sheep out in the wilderness, and and some strange event took place. Let's let's kind of look there in Exodus chapter uh, 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire, Out of the midst of the bush, he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. To stand in the very presence of God means to stand in holiness. It means to stand in in all things that are pure. And Moses had to take his sandals off his feet so he would not defile that area in which the presence of God was by bringing the other dirt into it. And yet he says, you've got to stay back. Don't get too close. Because this place is holy. Holy. Perfect. The apostles, in their writings, their letters, they confirmed to us that God expects us to be holy as well and that we should strive for perfection and for holiness. Listen to what Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13-19. through 19. like the lamb without blemish or spot. See, we are to strive for perfection. Everything we do is to to move us toward becoming more holy and more righteous and more perfect. And it takes a sober mind, he says, to do that. We've got to think about things, and when you're really going to go to a task and try to accomplish something, you want to go to it with full mental faculties geared in, ready to think, what do I need to do? And watch every motion and everything you do to make yourself become perfect. And we try to do that. These athletes who strive for that gold, they, they push themselves and push themselves and push themselves. And it's, it's, nobody just wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to break a world record today. No, what we do is we practice and we discipline ourselves over and over and then all of a sudden, by surprise, it happens. Even though we've tried and we've tried. And some people, it never happens to. You see, our striving for perfection and holiness also has to be done with our full thought pattern. Our minds have to be clear in order to truly understand what we're doing and why we're doing it to try and become like God wants us to be. Perfection in holiness is done in our conduct and in our character. And that's where the change needs to take place. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, and in the first chapter beginning in verse 3, he says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ You see, our holiness and our holy and blameless lives are in accordance with the perfect will of God that He foreknew and predestined for us to become that way even before He laid the foundations of the world. Before He spoke and the world came into existence, His desire was that you and I would find holiness in life. And He understood that we were going to fail. but we need to strive for it still because that's what he expects and he anticipates out of his creation but you know what none of us have made it and life is so full of imperfect people who expect others to be perfect i mean we we put that on our leadership don't we No man or woman can go into a specific position of power and authority over others without us picking at their problems and and, and displaying their faults and their failures before everybody. We expect them to be perfect, and when they don't measure up to those expectations, we don't want them anymore. But we can't look around our world and find anybody who can actually measure up to perfection because we're looking in that mirror And when we walk away, we immediately forget what we look like and we think we're good. Well, what happens when good isn't good enough? Well, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 3, which Max Lucado quoted earlier, was that it's written that none is righteous, no, not one. And James tells us in chapter 3 verse 2 that, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says... He's a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. It comes down to this, what we speak and our words. That's the thing that gets us in trouble so fast and so immediate. And we learn to use our mouths when we're just toddlers, don't we? And most of us have either said it or have had it said to us from a toddler, I hate you. Right? Right? I mean, parents, what happens the first time you hear your little one that you love, and they they come in and you think, well, where'd they even hear that word? But out of the mouths, even of babes, speaks the nature of man and our sinfulness. And he says to us, if you're able to control the mouth, if you get able to control everything that you say, then you have the ability to control the whole body. Well, we've blown it, haven't we? None of us have been perfect. One of the struggles that I have in life is dealing with my own imperfections, if you can believe that. And it's in the context with people who don't want to let me be imperfect. I mean, I live in a world that knows that I'm not perfect, but they expect me to be. How about you? Isn't that where we are? We know we're failures. We know that we have done things wrong. But yet everybody around us thinks we ought to be perfect. And we put expectations on people. And sometimes it even goes down to our children that we have expectations on. I've had people upset with me when they found out that I wasn't perfect. Marisa was the first one. She thought she was marrying Mr. Wright. Sometimes we even put expectation on our children. And we don't even realize it. And they're striving and they're working hard to make us proud of them and and to fulfill our expectations. But the problem is they can't. And when they fail at meeting our expectations, then they are crumbled. But you know what? You have expectations that are placed upon you even by your children because they think, Dad... You're the best. Mom, there's no one like you. And when they find out that you are imperfect and that you're just like them, it's life-changing. But we still have expectations. The second thing I think that we need to understand is this, that religion and obedience to the law doesn't make you perfect either. We're not made perfect through our imperfect priests that lead us in our rituals and the different things that we go on in life. I mean, imperfection produces imperfection. That's all it can do. And the law was not given to make us perfect because there's no way it could. It was given to show us our failures. It was given to show us our weaknesses and our faults and our sins where we missed the mark. That's why the law is there. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11 says, Now if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need would there have been for another priest to arise after the order of Melchizedek rather than one named after the order of Aaron? So what Hebrews is telling us is that when God established the priesthood, there within Israel, and he gave them the Ten Commandments, and he had them set up a tabernacle in which they should worship him and and, and gave them all these laws and rules and regulations. He then set apart a specific group of people, the Levites, to become the priest who were to lead in the area of worship and religious duties. But if they're messed up, then they're going to mess you up too. and That's exactly what they did. I mean, even the most perfect robotic machines that we can come up with and create. And some of these things have the ability to make thousands of widgets and stuff within within minutes of it. But every now and then, one makes a mistake and something gets jammed and a piece is printed or made incorrectly. And those little imperfections, they're there. My father, who has been a collector of baseball cards since the 1940s, he, he he loves studying them and, and the shape of the card and, and the printing of the cards. And he looks for imperfections in them. And he also looks for those that are perfect. And if I can find one that could be graded on a 10, that perfect card, it's going to have such a value. Or if I find one and it's the only one that has a misprint or, or a misdeed within it, then there's some value there too because it's so unique and so awful that off the, the regular mark of what it should have been. It doesn't matter how much we do, These machines, they're going to mess up. And why? Because they were created by imperfect people. And they've got imperfect people operating them. And so even that which should make something the same time and time and time again has a flaw within it. You see, imperfection is contagious. Now, we've learned a lot about contagious things this past year, haven't we? But imperfection is probably one of the most contagious things out there because we teach each other how to be imperfect, even when we're not trying. Yet, we're called to be righteous. But religious behavior is no different because people who try to attain perfection through religious activities, they're never going to make it. it's simply not enough to cause us to become perfect. But we keep hoping and we keep trying, and I'll try this faith and I'll try this faith and I'll go to this church and I'll go to that church and maybe I'll go into this cult or I'll try to read. We try all different kinds of things to achieve this perfection, but it doesn't work. And religion may not make us perfect, but neither does the law that is given to us even in the Bible. The law doesn't do that. Listen what Hebrews chapter 10 verse 1 says, for since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come, instead of the true form of these realities, it can never. Let me state that again. It can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. It doesn't matter how many times you have a sacrifice for your sin, it is never going to perfect you. Even though you keep coming to it, maybe even day after day, it is still not going to perfect you. The law was not designed to do that. See, here's where we get confused. We've learned, though, that if I do everything exactly right, over and over again, I become perfect. Isn't that what all these athletes do? They learn, if I can do something just right, it's perfection. Perfection. And we move that even beyond our, our bodies and the ability to do things. We move that into our intellect. And if I can memorize certain things, and if I can reiterate those when the test time comes, and I get 100% on it, I must be perfect. But that's not what it is. The problem is the law was never to give and to make us perfect. All it does is show us our imperfection. Imagine going to your doctor and finding out that you've got a very serious illness. And so he sits down and he writes you out a prescription and then he begins to explain this, and he talks to you like every doctor does. Now you need to understand: you need to take this prescription three times a day, and make sure that it's taken at different intervals, so so that you're not all grabbing it once. All right. Now he begins to talk about this medicine. He says it's been used for centuries, but it's never worked once. Maybe this time you'll be the one that it will work on. And that's really what the law is. Even though everybody for centuries had been trying to be obedient to the law, it has never made anybody perfect. And yet, we're still going to prescribe it. It doesn't work. And so God never intended for the Old Testament law to make people righteous, to make them holy, to make them perfect. He gave it to us to show that we're not good law keepers and that we need a better way. Rules don't make you righteous. Religion doesn't make you righteous. Even even ministry is made up of imperfect people. Can you imagine that? That the staff here is not perfect. Maybe close, but no, you're you're still off, right? Let me run through a few people in ministry out of the scriptures and show you where they blew it. Aaron, he's a brother of Moses. We talk a lot about Moses, but you have to understand Aaron was going to be Moses' spokesperson because Moses felt he had an imperfection about him and he couldn't speak in public. And so God says, don't worry, I'm going to have Aaron do that for you. He'll talk for you on your behalf, but you're going to go. And so Aaron then is appointed by God to be the first high priest over his temple and his tabernacle. And Aaron's going to lead the people in their religious duties. This is Aaron. But Moses had been on the mountain too long. We don't know how many days. But eventually, you know, they start to think, is Moses dead? Is he coming back? What's happened? And so they go to Aaron as their leader and as a man of faith. And they say, Aaron, what are we going to do? He says, I'll tell you what you do. Give me all your gold. <laughs> we'll make things better. We hear that a lot, don't we, in evangelism today. Give me your gold and I'll help you make your life perfect. So they gathered the gold and and he threw it in the furnace and out popped this golden calf somehow. He made the mistake there. Eli, who was also a high priest later on down the road, he had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. But Hophni and Phinehas, the Bible describes them as evil. Matter of fact, it says that they were worthless men because they did not know the Lord And as they were doing their priestly duties, they sinned in the midst of it, and God struck them down dead. Well, let's move on to the time frame of Jesus, because we know that God was moving everything toward fulfillment at that time frame. And so we're going to look at Annas and Caiaphas, who had been high priest and his father-in-law. And and yet what they did was they, they aroused the people to turn against Jesus and to scream, crucify him and kill him. And yet they were religious men, weren't they? They were the leaders of the church. They were the leaders of of what was supposed to be righteousness. And they caused the people to kill their Messiah. There's no difference today. We hear about all the national evangelists that fail and they fall. And occasionally there might be somebody in a local town who gets caught up in some seedy stuff and he's kicked out of his church and people look poorly upon him. If those who lead cannot attain perfection, how can we? I mean, immature and religious people don't want to hear about imperfections of their leaders. They want to hear about the perfections, about the holiness, about the righteousness, about the purity of their leaders. And when they find out that they're not perfect, they get angry, they get disappointed, They leave. They get let down. But I want you to understand, perfection does not come from people who serve in the ministry because we are no greater than you. We have our faults, our failures, our weaknesses. We have our dirty little secret sins that nobody knows about until the tabloid gets a hold of it. The Apostle Paul He's coming from a background as a pharisaical leader. He has studied under one of the most unbelievable rabbis. And Paul has this brilliance about him as a student of the law. But yet he will tell you he was far from perfect. Listen to what he writes to the church at Philippi in chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. He said, not that I have already attained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Jesus Christ has made me His own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I mean, that's where it happens, Paul says. Even though he can can boast about his background and his knowledge and his education and his experience and everything about his pedigree, he fails to say that that is making him perfect. And the only thing that does is what he has discovered in Jesus Christ and in the call that he has given him to be perfect and to be his and to be his own. That's where we find perfection. Not in what we do, but in what Christ does. Hebrews 7, 12-14, For when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. For the one of whom these things are spoken belonged to another tribe from which no one had ever served at the altar, for it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah. And in connection with that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests, So let's take a pause here. What's being said here in in the book of Hebrews is this. We have been living under a priesthood that was established by Aaron who was a failure himself. And all these years have gone by until we come down to this point today and the priests still are imperfect. Matter of fact, Jesus called them vipers. He called them whitewashed tombs because they were sinful. Even though they pretended to be righteous and holy, He knew what was in their heart. And the author of Hebrews is saying that priesthood failed. But what we have is a new priesthood. And if a new priesthood comes, then there has to be a new covenant, a new law that is giving. And it is this that comes through Jesus Christ. But we know that he was descended out of Judah, not out of Levi. So how does this work? Well, we have to start over. And he has created something totally different. So no longer we brought to the fact where we've got to offer up sacrifices day after day, year after year. But we come to the one who was sacrificed on our behalf once and for all, and that is Jesus Christ. And only Jesus, listen to this, only Jesus can make you perfect. We don't have a law, we have Jesus who was sent from the Father to become like us in flesh in order to experience life as we experience in our shoes and yet He Himself remained sinless, He remained perfect, He remained holy, He remained righteous, yet He did more than that because He experienced this life to the fullest and beyond. Not only was He born and did He live, but He died and He lives again his life is not only perfect, but his life is indestructible, and he challenges us to have that same type of life. Listen to Ephesians chapter one, verses three through six again. "Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us in love for adoption to His self as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will and to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the beloved. You see, in the midst of everything that's going on, what Jesus has done for us is to create an opportunity for you and for me to become made perfect, to be made holy, to be made righteous and pure, not by what we've done, but what He has done. And He then, by His sacrifice and by His relationship with us coming into this world, He now has the ability to offer us to be adopted into the family of God and made a son and a daughter of God, which then is cleansed and purified and made whole so that we can stand in the presence of God unashamed. Not by what we've done, but by what He has done. And only Jesus has that ability. So in the midst of this life, Jesus challenges not only His disciples, but anybody who would seek Him to have life eternal. So we find this story here in Matthew, the the 19th chapter. Somebody is trying to find out how he can get eternal life and how he can be perfect in everything to achieve that because he knows that only that which is perfect and holy is going to stand in the presence of God. And so he has been doing everything he can to uphold the laws. So let's look at verse 16. Behold, this man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. And if you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, well, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all of these I have kept, what do I still lack? Now listen to what Jesus says. Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, because that's what you're wanting. You want to be perfect so you can stand in the presence of God and live eternally. If you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven and come, follow me." When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. For some, embracing perfection is too much than they can afford, especially if they're rich with worldly possessions. Because it seems it's harder to get rid of things once you have really listened to the world and has told you, grab everything that you can get. But to give it away, even for perfection and eternal life, some people want to keep the things that will rust and fade away. Life isn't going to be easy. And we can all attest to that. We know it because we have had difficulties in life. And while we look at our lives and we can point again and again to the moments where we blew it, we are still called to be holy. We are still called to be righteous. We are still called to be perfect. Why? Because our Heavenly Father is that. And to have a relationship with Him, we have to have that as well. But there's nothing we can do to get there. Only Jesus. And He does that for His glory and for His praise, not for us. You're going through the struggles of life and the temptations that come with it and and we discover that only Christ then can make us profitable and make us pure. And James tells us that it is through this patient endurance of these hardships in life in which we find maturity and perfection because of Christ. Listen to what he says in James chapter 1, verse 4. He said, Let steadfastness, that's the endurance, that's the hanging in there. When you're facing all the hardships of life, just hang in there and stay strong. Let steadfastness have its full effect. Why? That you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. The hardships in life are not what make you imperfect. It's how you respond to them. But if you hang in there, and you hang in there because Christ is empowering you with His Spirit to go beyond today and into tomorrow, He will make you perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. And it's in the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives that He produces within us those qualities and those character traits that that are displayed in our conduct and how we live, and ultimately the greatest gift that he gives us is love. When all those other things have passed away, love is what remains, Paul tells us. But Colossians, he writes to the church there and he says, above all these things, above everything else that you can do to be emulating Christ in life and and, and letting the Spirit do this, he says, above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So we know there are no perfect people because we know our own very nature. And when we look around, we see other people who are just like us. They're imperfect, they're fallen, and there's no way they're going to achieve it. Natalie Grant has a song that she has written that contradicts what Mac Davis says about himself you know, being perfect in every way. And in this song that Natalie Grant sings, she says, there's no such thing as perfect people. There's no such thing as a perfect life. So come as you are, broken and scarred. Lift up your heart and be amazed and be changed by a perfect God. How do we become perfect? It's by letting God work in us. And I guess if I could just close it all out. When the children have asked us, Why God didn't just make us perfect, He is. If you're resting on His Spirit and relying for your salvation through His Son, He is perfecting you day by day for the praise and the glory of our Father.